Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we give you glory. We give you honor. Father, Jesus, we love you. Oh, our words, our words can't express. Our hearts can't show. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful. We're so thankful. We're so thankful that you're here. We're so thankful that you're with us. Father God, I thank you that you that you poured out your spirit. Lord, that you poured out your spirit. And Lord, that that spirit, that pouring out is for all flesh. That Father God, that if we want to have a, a, a life that is changed by the power of God, we can receive that spirit that's been poured out. That Father God, if, if, we, want to, if we want to enjoy life as you know it, Father, we just thank you that we can receive the spirit of the living God that's been poured out on us. And so, Father, we do we receive that today. We receive the love that you have for us. We receive what the Spirit of God was poured out to do for us. And, Lord, we walk. We walk in what we know. And, Father God, we thank you that you continue to reveal. You continue to show us more and more that as we're walking with you, you continue to reveal more and more to us. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. We praise you for it. Glory to God. God is so good. You know, it's, it's, the Bible tells us that His mercy is new every morning. And sometimes we feel like, you know, the, the pressures of life, they come against us all week long. I mean, there's, there's things going on all week long that are there to, to kind of knock you around. And, you know, um, I, I, I don't want to relate it to football, but I will. You know, sometimes a team gets just knocked around and drug all over the place. And, you know, and it, just because they're the Gamecocks doesn't mean it's supposed to happen, right? But, you know, with God, when we feel like that, He's the inspiration. He's, he's the breath. He's the life that, that, that fills us up, that, that helps us to be able to, to go on to, to the, the next battle that's going to be tomorrow. And then the next battle after that, because it's a battle every single day. There's something that's coming against us and something that's, that's trying to stop us. And so I just encourage you to always, always press into that mercy his mercy is there for us to help us in our time of need. And if you need his mercy, if you need his grace, all it is is just a, an asking away. It's just to say, Father, I need you this morning. I need you this morning. And he tells us that it doesn't get old to him. He says that. He says, you know, as much as you need it, you just keep coming. Keep coming. Because I've got it. I've got it. He wants to be our supply. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team. Thank you. Uh, children are dismissed, and you can be seated this morning. God is so good. Yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. I've got a couple of announcements um, that uh, I, that I wanted I wanted to share with you. Um, keep. Penny's mama in prayer uh, that she's she was in the ICU Thursday night and Friday uh, with with kidney issues and so we want to keep her lifted up uh, she was dehydrated and, and had some some things going on with medication that she was taking so uh, be, be praying for them lifting them up and believing God with us that that she's able to go home quickly and uh, that, that that healing power is working in her um, I also wanted to announce that we are going to do a true North Church t-shirt order 
for True North Sunday. So if you do not have a True North Church t-shirt and would like one, uh, I would like for everybody to wear it on True North Sunday because uh, it's just kind of fun to do that, you know, everybody to dress the same. And I can't get everybody to wear Gamecock outfits, so uh, at least we could do True North Church outfits and we can go from there. But uh, if you would like a t-shirt, please, uh, please see us and we'll, we're going to make an order in a couple weeks to get those in. And then uh, our building is, we, our building is financed. So we pay, we pay a monthly payment on our building. And uh, the, the folks that hold the loan on our building, they called us, called me at the end of last month and said that he was in prayer and that God had told him that, uh, that we needed, he needed to give us a year of interest free. And so what that means is from, um, Let's see, what month are we in? We're in September. So from September to August of next year, everything that we pay will we'll just will knock down the interest. And uh, we, we have a very good interest rate. We're at 4.5%. And, but, uh, you know, 4.5% of a lot of money is, is like $15,000 a year. So if we're not paying that and we, if we just keep making our regular payment, then that means that our payment is about $3,000 a month. So that means $36,000 is going to knock off the principal. And what I think would be cool, yeah, y'all ready for this? What I think would be cool is if we could just knock the whole thing out this year. And so however that happens, you know, sometimes we, we get in our head, we get in our head, you know, well, this is how I think God's going to do this. Right, I was talking to our, our uh, friend in the back. Uh, he's visiting with us this this morning, and we're glad he's with us. And uh, but you know, sometimes we we start to think, well, this is how God's going to do stuff, right? We think, well, this is this is the only way He can do it because we get so locked into to tradition, or we get locked into to uh, to you know certain steps or, or whatever. But what's cool about God is that He always answers prayer, Amen. and it's usually not the same way He answered it before. So you just can't go about thinking, well, I, I think God's going to do this, or I think God's going to do that. This is a step I didn't, I, shoot, I never, I never thought, I said shoot. I, I never thought that this, that this company would, would, uh, would, not company, but it's actually a church organization that, that owns the building, or we own the building, but the finances. I never thought that they would do something like this to, to knock, the, uh, knock out interest for a year. And um, I believe God can do so many different things. He's, he has met the need uh, since we've been here constantly. And uh, I believe that, I believe we have an opportunity here to believe God to just knock it all out. And, you know, well, you're like, well, what would we do with that money? What would we do with the money that comes in? Well, one of the first things we would like to do is to hire somebody full-time. We believe that we need to have somebody that's, that's working full-time for the ministry because we have lots of things that we're wanting to see happen and to go a direction, but uh, we need the manpower to do it. And so that's one of the first things that we would do is, uh, is put money towards that. So you guys hook up with us, and uh, we're, we're believing God for, for this this bill to go away in the next 12 months. Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Is that all I have? I think that's it. That's a lot. That was a lot right there. We can go home now. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So go with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And I do want to say bravo to Clemson for beating a, you know, Division II school, whatever, whoever they played yesterday. Carolina had to play the number one team in the nation. I just want to make sure you guys realize that. At, at Georgia, 
I mean, come on, that, that was not an easy task. And so um, they tried, they fought, and uh, maybe next year we'll get them. Yeah, next year we'll get them. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 1. Well, let's pray so that we can get all that dirtiness out of our heads. Praise the Lord. Father, we love you and praise you, and we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, that your word is truth. Lord, that your word is life. You told us, Jesus told us that he is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And Father God, we understand that, that we cannot come to you except through him. Lord, we thank you that your word is truth. We thank you, Father God, that your word is the way. We thank you, Father God, that your word is the life. And Lord, we want your word to be a part of us every single day. And we ask you to reveal to us who you are and who you are this morning as we're looking at, at, your, at your scripture that you've given to us, Father, so it's unmistakable that we can't get off, but Father God, that we can just continue on paths with you, and we just thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, and I want to start in verse number 20. I'm sorry, verse 21. It says that, this is the New King James. It says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. But they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The New American Standard says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And then the New Living Translation says, Yes, they knew God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. So the last couple of times I've ministered, we've been looking at this scripture and we've been trying to break it down because there's so much is happening in the world today that can truly make us as believers go, where is God? Where is he during these times? And, and to be honest with you, you have to look in the mirror and go, well, there he is. But we get, we get so caught up in what's going on that we lose sight of the fact that we're, we're that example. We're that fullness of God that this world needs. And what Paul is telling the church at Rome, listen, the church at Rome was, uh, was not a, uh, did not come from a godly, you know, they didn't even know who Jehovah was. They didn't even know who Yahweh was. They were a pagan, a pagan nation. They were a pagan uh, civilization, the Romans were, and they worshiped all sorts of gods. They, they didn't have that. They didn't even have a background of, of who Moses was and who Abraham was. They didn't understand those things. But Paul is having to, to encourage the believers that are at Rome. And he's saying, look, guys, don't forget who God is. Don't forget who God is on the inside of you. And the way to do that is to make sure that you're praising him, that you're glorifying him, make sure that you're being thankful to him, that you're thanking him for everything that he's do doing for you, doing in your life. Make sure that you're, that you're thinking the correct thing about him, that you're, that you're, that you're monitoring your imagination and your, the ideas that you have about God so that you can do good works. He wants us to be ones that, that just, it's just natural for us to be presenting the goodness of God through our actions and through our lifestyle in every single way that we possibly can. And so as we're looking at this, I'm just, I'm reminded we're, we're kind of in the same sort of situation at times, even in America, where, where we're, we're having to fight a battle of what other people think about God 
And even in the church who, who Paul is writing to here, they're, he's having to say, look, guys, you can't, don't forget who God is. Don't, don't forget that understanding. Don't forget that place that God has taken you out of and he's brought you into. He says here, I love the New Living Translation again. He says, yeah, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. We spent time last week talking about how our praise and how our worship is so important, so vital to, 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 to creating a destination out of the situations that we get into. A lot of times we'll allow the, the pressures of life or the, the cares of this world to come down on us and we're like, there's no way I can get out of this. But believer, if you believe God, there is always a way out. There is a way out of every situation that you come into, that you come into contact with because here he says, don't forget to praise God. And don't forget to thank him. Don't forget to remind yourself of the things that he has done for you. And if you do that, then he begins to show you the way out of each situation. I love that Jesus, no matter what situation that he was in, whether it was in the physical, whether it was in the, uh, the, the mind, in, in, his, in his mind, and even in the spiritual, there was never a situation where Jesus was like, there's nothing I can do here. We just got to give in. You know? We just got, I, I, there's nothing else to do, guys. You know, I'm sorry, disciples, that I brought you this far. Even the children of Israel, when, when they were out in the desert, God would never leave them. God would continue to, to make provision for them, even when they were in disobedience. And we looked at that last week, how even in times of disobedience, that God was still sustaining them and keeping them going because he always wants, listen, every single time God wants you to turn to him because he wants you to remember that he is on your side and that he is there for you and he is there to bring you out. And so Paul is being wonderful to us so that we can read this today, that, that, that if, as long as we worship him as God, as long as we give him thanks, as long as we don't have foolish ideas of who God is. And so I want to look at that this morning. How can we make sure that, that our idea of God lines up with what the word says, of what God says about himself? How, does, how do we do this? And so I want us to look at that, how our imagination plays a part in this. You know, your imagination is so important. It's so important. It's much more important than people realize. This Hebrew word that, uh, that is translated imagination is, is, is also uh, literally means conception. So when you have an idea come into your mind, when you imagine something, that you're actually conceiving something that could happen. So what we have to do is we have to make sure as Christians that, that, our, that our minds, what we're conceiving, what we're coming up with in our heads is actually lining up with the Word of God. One thing that is true about conception or imagination is that if you don't have it, that you become spiritually and creatively sterile. That means there's nothing, you can't pass on anything. You can't pass on a, a good idea. You can't pass on a God idea to somebody else because you're not having them yourself. And so this is, this is, this is solely affected by what you're surrounding yourself with. And, and I say that because sometimes we think, well, you know, what I do and, and who I'm around, that really doesn't bother me and it doesn't affect me. But that's not scriptural. See, every, every, everything that you're a part of, everything that you expose yourself to, it deposits something into your imagination. And it, and it makes you think something. You know, that's why you have to be careful when you're, when you're following certain people. Are, you, are, they, are they people that are truly taking you where God wants you to go? Are you checking that against, you know, checking what their words are saying against what, what God's word says? 
God's word is so vital to the believer. God doesn't do anything outside of his word. His spirit, the spirit, the spirit of the living God, the spirit that lives on the inside of us, that the Bible tells us that, that came into us when we accepted Jesus as our, as our Lord and Savior. And then on the day of Pentecost, when the spirit of God was poured out and those people, those men and women received the spirit of God, all of that was in line with what the word of God says. And it still happens today. And we know that to be true because he tells us that his word will never pass away. So why, wouldn't, why would you want to think about anything else? Why would you want to allow something else to, to, to crowd out what the word of God has to say about him and about you? See, as Paul is, is addressing the, the church at Rome, you know, he, he sees that. He sees, you guys, you're starting to come up with these foolish ideas of who God is. Foolish ideas. You know, we, we hear that today in, in the body of Christ. This wasn't written to, to, to non-believers. This was written to believers. We hear today in the body of Christ how, you know, they'll make up things about how God doesn't do this anymore. Or God doesn't, God's not here anymore. And he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he's not honoring this or he doesn't, you know, people can't do that anymore. Listen, if God said it, it'll work forever. It'll last even after his word is going, even after we go to heaven, his word will continue to work. So the word should be the most important thing that we're thinking about. The most important thing that we're, that we're partaking of, that we're, that we're taking a part of. Listen, your thoughts, your thoughts come alive. And I know we've talked about this before. It's been a couple years ago. But it, there's, there was a study done that said that the average human being, all right, so this is an average. Remember, you know what an average is, right? That means it's something that's in the middle of the high and the low. And uh, I don't mind saying that my, I don't have this many thoughts a day. But they say on average, there's 6,200 thoughts that go on in the human mind every single day. And this is when they're awake, when you're, when you're awake. So on average, everybody's awake for about 16 hours. Um, you know, maybe you're like, no, I'm only awake for, you know, five hours a day. Well, then you're the average number of thoughts that you would think every day would be less. But you also dream things too. And so you're, you're, you're thinking about things even while you're sleeping. But, but I say the 6,200 because that's a lot of things that you have to be going, okay, is this good? Is this right? Is this right? Is this right? Is this right? Is this, you know, and you're just constantly, are my thoughts lining up with the word of God? You can see where your thoughts can totally take you away from where God is. If you don't make sure, if you're not checking on him and going, oh, wait, wait a minute. The Bible doesn't say that I'm, I'm supposed to be sick and dying before my time. The Bible actually says the opposite of that. That I'm healed and whole. And that, I, that I'm healed from the top of my head. You know, we can, we can, we can you start to, to, to grab a hold of it. Let's look at some scriptures on this this morning because this is important. Our minds are so, they are the scale, you know, I, was, I always, in my mind, I always think about like the old timey the, that they would put it, have a scale and they would have a certain amount of weight on one side and then they would weigh things against it. And so if this was five pounds on this side, then whatever they put on this side would be five pounds once they were level. Well, our mind is like that, in, that dial in the middle and it's helping us decide which way we're gonna go. See, the world is pulling on your flesh 
The things that are happening in this world are trying to appeal to your senses and trying to say, come on, you need to go this way. That doesn't feel right. You need to go this way. You know, and and it works on your feelings. But then the Spirit of God's on this side going, no, you need to be listening to what's here. You need to be following what's on the inside of you. The the Spirit of God is, is bubbling up on the inside of you to push you a certain direction. And your mind is going, all right, which way do I go? Which way do I go? Well, if your mind is renewed to the Word of God, then every time you hear the Spirit of God on the inside of you speaking, then you're going to go the direction. You're, your mind will, will, will overrule what your flesh is saying, what your flesh is doing, how your flesh is pulling, and start to take you in the direction that God wants you to go. God has victory for you in every situation. God is, is he, he wants you to come out and be on top every single time because you are the, uh, I remember Pastor Jennifer shared one time how we are God's benefit package. You know, you know we, we look at jobs, you know, sometimes if you're, you're disheartened with a job or you're trying to find a job, you'll go, well, what's the benefits to me working for this company? You know, what's the benefit package here that, that I might get? And, you know, and sometimes it's really good health insurance or it's the 401k match or all this. Those are the benefits. You are God's benefit package to the world. And so everything about you should be showing off everything about God. And as long as you are thinking about, as long as you're going the direction of the word, then the spirit, then God's spirit will be able to be seen in this. So we have to let the word of God control our imagination. And the way you do this is by thinking about scriptures, by thinking about, okay, how does, how does this line up with what you're saying? And we're going we're gonna to look at a few scriptures because there's a lot of things that God says about you that... that we don't, always, we don't always remember them. You know, we're, we're, we're struggling. We're struggling with, with, with pains from our past. We're struggling with, uh, with anxiety. We struggle with, with self-image issues. We struggle with all these different things, and it's in our mind. Now, sometimes, you know, sometimes there is something wrong chemically in your mind that causes you to lean a, a certain direction or causes you to lean a, a, a certain thought. You know, you'll go down, I think it's called uh, thought worms, I believe is what, that once you, once you think of something, that it begins to worm its way and it takes you down this path. And what God wants you to do is he wants you to have these thought worms that are for him. And then once you hear, once you, once you remind yourself of the, of the thought that God has for you, that you begin to think of, oh, well, that's what this means. Okay, that's what this means. You know, and you start to, you start to rise up on the inside of you. And so we're, we're looking at that this morning. We're looking at how can I control that? How can I control my imagination? So I told you we have 6,200, average 6,200 thoughts a day. That means there's a, something, one thing I saw said that some people have 12,000. I think that's just women in general. They're just constantly thinking about stuff, constantly thinking of things. And when you break that down, 12,000 thoughts over 16 hours, how many thoughts is that a minute? It's a lot, so I'm sorry. I really am sorry that you guys have to do that because it's, listen, it's a whole lot easier being me where I only have about three or 400 thoughts in a day, all right? It's like, it has to do with food. It has to, you know, you know what I'm saying, guys. We're on the same page, all right. So you, we, we have an average of about 6,200 thoughts a day, so it's a lot, it's a lot that we have to be aware of. But I don't wanna overwhelm you with that. I don't want to overwhelm you with that, women, because the Bible does tell us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. So it's our job as believers to take these thoughts captive, 
take them, take them and make them subject to the word of God. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 tells us that, that, that we're supposed to take thoughts captive. The Message Bible, I want to read this to you, uh, verses 3 through 6 says, The world is unprincipled. So why would you follow the world? Why would you follow the world's ideas? Why would you go the direction that the world is wanting to go if the world is unprincipled? It says here in the Message Bible, it says, it's dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way, never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for, listen to this, they are for demolishing that entirely, massively corrupt culture. See, what God says, what he, when he puts out there the power, the word that he puts out there, there's so much power behind that. I love this. I love this. He says, therefore, demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought. This is the this is the this is the the punchline here. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Now, if you do that, then you can then you can stand on this. You can stand on this that that, that it's it's for demolishing entire massively corrupt culture this we have a, a very corrupt culture we have a very and they're 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 stepping their way into the lives of our children they're trying you know it takes it takes one generation it takes one generation of people that aren't exposed to god at all to totally change the fabric of a nation and we're seeing that we're in the middle of that. We're, we're in the middle of this battle that's going on for the minds, not just the hearts, but the minds of this generation. Their heart, their heart is the most important thing, that they get Jesus. But you can have Jesus and have a corrupt mind and not be effective for the kingdom of God. And so as believers, as Christians, that's our, we've got to be, this, this is a battle that we have. That's coming against. That's coming against our youth. That's coming against this next generation. That's coming up. That is massively, massively corrupt. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. Can I get an amen? There are tons of philosophies that are just. They're just like what in the what? <laughs> Seriously, how could anybody believe some of the stuff that's out there? How? How? It's corruption. It's corruption. It's, it's, it's warped. It's crazy. But this, these, we, these powerful God tools that we have, which is his word and his spirit, they tear down barriers that are erected against the truth of God. They fit every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. See, God's word, God's the scripture. See, Jesus, we talked about this before, Jesus and the word are the same thing. If you love Jesus, then you love the word. If you love the word, then you love Jesus. If, if you want to know, if you want to uh, try to understand, well, who is God? Well, then you just read the, you get into the word. 
you, you look at the scriptures, you go, okay, well, Jesus said he was this, and Jesus said, Jesus did this, and God's word says that, that he came, that he sent his word to heal. So we know that Jesus is a healer. We know that Jesus, he would, he would open up blind eyes. He would remove deafness from ears. He would, he would help people that had shriveled hands. He would, I mean, he did so many amazing and miraculous things that it's not just for when Jesus lived. Because guess what? Jesus is still alive. Look at your neighbor and go, you're still alive. Yeah, amen, you're still alive. So that means Jesus is still alive. So those things don't change and they don't go away, amen? So when the Bible tells you that you're an overcomer, then you've got to magnify that truth. When the Bible tells you that you're healed, you've got to meditate on that truth until you see yourself healed. You have to put these thoughts that God has for us into your mind, so that you're thinking about that and you're going down these little alleys and these, these pathways and these passages that, is just, that, that continue to take you into the presence and into the fullness of God. Let's look at uh, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I want to read to you uh, just real quick here. I want to look at the parable of the sower and I want to look at the the explanation of it. So I'm in the New American Standard, Mark chapter 4, verse 13. We know that the parable of the sower, he talks about that there's a sower that sows seed and it goes on hard ground. It goes on, you know, let's look at it here. He says, he says in verse 13, he says, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all parables? How will you understand what God is telling you if you don't understand this parable? He says that the sower sows the word, and we know that the word is seed. He compares the word to seed here, and we know that seed, we talked about last week, that seed is something that, that contains everything, 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 the DNA, the, the look, the structure, everything about uh, whatever the seed is planted for, that's, that's inside the seed. And so seed can be small and, and seed can, be, can be, uh, have a thick shell or it can have a lot of stuff on the inside of it, but it's all the same. It contains the same thing that determines what it's going to be when it grows up. And so we want to be ones that are receivers of the word. So the sower sows the word, verse 14, verse 15 says, these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And they hear, and immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. So he's talking here about ones that were on the, the side and the, the, next to the path where the path is, the, the ground is hard and it's packed down and it's beaten down and people because people have been walking on it. People have been, uh, you know, kind of doing whatever they want to on it. They, you know, nowadays they might ride their bicycle or, you know, but it's very solid and it's very hard for seed to, 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 to grab hold of that there. And so it just sits on the ground. Now, you can think of people in your life that, are, that, that remind you of that. You can think of people in your life that are like, man they've, been, man, they've been through it. They have been through so many hard things. They've been through so many struggles. They've been through so many situations. And this isn't just for uh, somebody to get born again, but this, you can have hard ground in any area of what salvation gives to you. See, salvation is not just you get saved and you get to go to heaven, but salvation is, is, is prosperity, salvation is healing, salvation is, um, is, is uh, uh, redemption, and then salvation is, is being, trans, you're, you're being translated, being transformed or changed. And see, if you don't, if you, if you don't let people uh, help you ground up 
that, that ground, beat up that ground so that it can receive the word in any of these areas, you're going to be just like the person that doesn't receive salvation because they, they've not been exposed to, to somebody that has beautiful, beautiful gifts or beautiful, uh, the, the love of God into and, and their life. They're not, they're, not being, they're not being ones that are being showered with the rain or the word of God. That's what breaks up ground. Does that make sense? I know a lot of us aren't, I don't farm, but you know, that's, Jesus was dealing with that. I mean, you can look at me and tell I don't farm, right? I did, we did watch this one show, um, Growing Florette. And so there's this lady in, in Washington state that like they grow, like they grew all these flowers. And then all of a sudden she's like, well, I'm gonna start grow, growing flowers and sell the seed. And so she just, she just, her whole business is about selling seed. Is that, that related to me? Because it's like, I'm not, I'm not selling seed, but I am trying my hardest to get seed out there. I'm trying my hardest to get the seed of the love of God out there, of the power of God out there, the saving grace of God out there, because that is what changes people's lives. It's what changes, it's what will change our world, what's in our world. And so Jesus is talking about this. And so I'm saying this because if you are beat down, if you are packed hard and you're not able to receive the, the word of God, the seed of God in a certain situation, Satan will come immediately and steal that word. So it doesn't have time. It doesn't have time to, to, to attach itself and to, to get embedded into your life and into your heart. And so we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be ones that are, that are like, ah, you know, I don't, believe that's, I don't believe that's God. No, you want to believe if it comes from God, if it's the word of God, that you receive it, that you're taking it in. It says in verse 16, he says, In a similar way, these are ones whom seed was sown on in the rocky places, who when they heard the word of God, immediately received it with joy. And so these are the people that were, they were a little bit further off the path. And, you know, their, their ground is broken up a little bit, but there's still some rocks, there's still some things in it that really truly keep the word of God from being able to, 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 to go down deep, that the soil, we have, a, we have a grass, like we put grass down at our house uh, years ago, and it still amazes me how the ground so far, like not, I mean, it's not very far. Like what we put down is only a couple inches, and I would think that by now that it would be nice and, you know, soft so that the, the roots can continue to go down. But there's places where I can look out across my yard and I see that the grass is not able, it's not growing. It's not growing deep enough because that, that soil that's underneath is still packed hard and there's, there's stuff in it. It's, it's a different kind of soil. It's, it's, it's hard and it's rocky. Well, that's, that Jesus says here that those, those are people that receive the word and they receive it with joy and they're like, yeah, I'm so excited. God's the healer. God's the one that, 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 that changes me. God's the one that helps me. God's the one that, that delivers me. He redeems me. But verse 17 says, they have no firm root in themselves, but they're only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately fall away. See, we don't want to be, these are people that are affected by outside circumstances. And they're like, well, I guess God's word still doesn't work. I guess God's word is still, it's still hard. It's so difficult to understand. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. And so they, the, the word doesn't have a place that it can grow deep and get established, right? And so we, we, we don't want to people, be people like that, but that is, people, that is people that allow outside circumstances to affect. Listen, you can be in church today, and if you're not working that ground tomorrow, what you received in joy today Tomorrow, you're going to be like, ah, I just don't see how it works. I just don't see how God's word works anymore. But we don't want to be like that. 
Amen. We don't want to be like that. And then in verse 18, he says, And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. And these are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Now, he's, to me, he's talking here about the Christians that Paul is addressing over in Romans chapter 1. He's saying, look, there's some people that, that, that they allow the things that are going on in their mind. Listen, your mind is, can be crazy at times. You can be listening to me right now and come up with some crazy thought, like, you know, Brad in a, a Clemson outfit. It'd be crazy. It'd be crazy, Right? You can, you can be thinking, you can be, you know, singing praises, singing worship to God, and, and all of a sudden this, this image will come in of just something that you haven't thought about for years, and how your mind will just, is just so ready to take you somewhere. But see, what God wants to do is He wants to take you somewhere, and He wants to take you further. He doesn't want you mired up in the thoughts of your past. He doesn't want you in the quicksand of, 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 the, of the failures that, that you come out of. He wants you to be walking on the clouds of, of what the Word brings to you and how it delivers you and how it saves you and how it, how it causes you to be one that is such a, an awesome demonstration of the love of God. Well, he's saying here in verse number 18 and 19, he says the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things, the things that are going on in your mind will affect how much you're able to enjoy the fruit of what the word was preached or what the word was read or what the word was heard. If you're you know, listening to the word in other ways throughout the week. So you have to take control of this. You have to be one that's like, I'm not going to let these things I'm not going to let these, these things, I'm not, I'm not going to let Satan steal what the Word of God is trying to put on the inside of me. So we don't want to give in to outside influences. We don't want to give in to what we can control on the inside, what, what the Word of God can do on the inside. We don't want to give in to, 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 to the thoughts of, 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 of you know, distractions, the, care, the cares of this world, the things. And I'm not saying they're not important, but I'm saying they're not, they're less. Everybody say less. They are less than what God can do for you. What somebody tells you, how somebody treats you, pales in comparison to how God has brought you out. Pales in comparison. You are not the same person that you were. You're not the same person that you were last week or the month before or even 10 years before. You are not the same person because of the word of God that is on the inside of you and that is growing growing on the inside of you. The Passion Translation tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 again, he says here that we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow to the obedience of the anointed one. It is a battle, and I'm, I'm, I'm stressing this, because what we'll do is we'll get into a situation and we'll go, you know, I've prayed. Oh, I've been praying so hard in this situation and I'm just not seeing God change. I'm not seeing God move. And we'll get discouraged and we'll get, we'll get, we'll get burdened down with what's going on all around us. But what Paul is telling us in Romans chapter 1, he says, don't forget to glorify God. That if you'll take the situation that you're in and go, you know, God, you said that you are the greater one. You said that you are the deliverer. You said you're the healer. You said 
You would lift me up. You said that you would lift up the head of the weary. You said that, that you are the glory and the lifter of my head. God, you are the one that created everything that I see. You're the one that gives life to me. Then all of a sudden, you're, you're, those things that you're, that you're thinking about over here, they start to get smaller and smaller and weaker and weaker. And you start to feel, well, gosh, I can feel, I can feel I'm coming out of this. And then you start to go, well, God, I thank you. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus. I thank you, Father God. I thank you, Lord, for this job that I have. You know, I wouldn't have this job if it wasn't for you. I thank you for my wife and for my kids. I wouldn't have them if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for you. I am so thankful for everything. I have nothing. And some people have a hard time with this. But you have nothing if it wasn't for God. If it wasn't for God, you would have nothing. You might go, well, you know, I would still have a really good job. Or I'd still be making a lot of money. Yeah, but you, wouldn't ha you would have nothing. See, the believer... The believer, the believer comes out of their situation by remembering who God is and by remembering how God delivered them, by remembering how God took them out, by remembering how God saved them, by, 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 by taking those 6,200 thoughts that we have every single day and going, no, wait a minute, my mind is not a place for the devil to breed his, his nastiness, and my mind is not a place for, for Satan to come in and try and make me think about things that happened hundreds of years ago. Praise the Lord. My mind is a place that is, that is the ground for the godly words that, that, that are spoken throughout through in, in his word and throughout history. Some things that I want you to think about here. Some things that I want you to think about. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, they remind us that we are forever loved. Have you ever had a time in your life where you're like, nobody loves me? I, can remember, I remember when I was like in the fifth grade and uh, I, was, I was at home. And my parents, I have a, I have a younger brother, and uh, I can't remember, he was getting attention for something. I'm in the fifth grade, and I'm like, nobody here loves me. Nobody at my, fifth grade, I'm thinking nobody loves me at my house because they're giving my brother attention. I mean, come on, does that come from God? No. No, but then you come up and you've got people, you know, you might see a friend at work, and, and you know, and they're just, they're kind of down and out. And, and, you know, maybe that's what they're thinking that day, is nobody loves me. But Romans chapter 8 tells us that God loves us. Romans chapter 8, go, to, go, there, go with me there real quick. Romans chapter 8, let's look at some of these. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. He says, For I am convinced that neither life, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38 and 39, it tells us that. It tells us that God's love cannot be separated from us. God's love cannot be separate. There is nothing that's created out there that can separate God's love. There is uh, not, neither height nor depth nor power nor things to come nor things that are going on nor, nor principalities, nor rulers, no angels, death or life. Nothing can separate us from the love of God because we are forever loved. We are forever loved. John three sixteen, simple scripture that for God so loved the world. He didn't, he didn't say, I just love this group of people. He didn't say, I just love the boys. He didn't say, I just love the girls. He said, God's the lover. He loves the world. 
You are loved by God. And that is, that is a truth that, that, oh man, if anybody around you is struggling, they need to hear that. They, they need to know that. Well, our male lady is real sweet and we've known her for years. And she always, she'll always tell us when we see her, you know, Jesus loves you. I'm like, I know that. But you know, some days I'm like, yeah, that's right. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. That's what the world, world has got to hear things like this. They need to be thinking about that. They need to be thinking about how God loves us. Uh, another thing that God says about us, he says that we're healed. We see in Isaiah 53, 5, and then in 1 Peter 2, 24, that, 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 that curse, that healing belongs. So let's look at that real quick. Let's look at the one in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. I did not give my scriptures to my scripture girl back there. So she's having to work as hard as I am. First Peter 2, let's look at verse 24. It says, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds or by his stripes we were healed. So we have healing. There is, there is healing for us in the body of Christ. There is healing for those in the, in, the, in the family of God. And we have to be thinking about that. We have to be remembering that. The Bible tells us in Psalms chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. Ephesians chapter 6, verse, verse 10 tells us that we're strong, that we are strong people, that we're not weak that we're not feeble, that we're not, we're not sickly, we're not, you know, but we are strong. I love in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 that it talks about putting on the full armor of God, the full armor of God, and every piece of that armor belongs to God. We didn't have to make any of it. You know, we didn't have to, you know, fix, figure out, does this, does this suit, does, it, does, the, does the breastplate, does, does, does that fit me? Or, you know, do the shoes fit me? Or does the helmet fit me? No. See, God's word fits everybody. In every situation, every time, to make you strong and make you able to be an overcomer, because that's what God says about us. He says that we're overcomers. Second, First uh, John two twelve tells us that we're forgiven. Uh, Ephesians one five tells us that we're adopted and that we have a place. God doesn't leave any of us out to the side and, you know, so that we're always looking in. No, God, God says you have a place in the body of Christ. You have a place in his family. You belong here. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what situations you're going through right now. It doesn't matter how you feel about yourself right now. You know, we always hear about how people are living their life according to their feelings. It doesn't matter how they feel right now. They have a place in the body of Christ. Through Jesus, through Jesus, amen, through Jesus, that we have a place, that we're adopted, that we are whole. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 tells us that we are whole. Uh, Isaiah 43, 1 tells us that we are his, that we're no longer rejected. I am no longer rejected. I am accepted into the family of God because of who God is, because of who Jesus is. And then I want to I spend a couple minutes on this. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, because a lot of times uh, depression and uh, anxiety and, and things like that, they come because of this one scripture, or not, not this one scripture, but because of this one statement. You have to remember that you're not alone. You are not alone. That sometimes we'll, we'll get into a place where we feel like there's nobody around. There's nobody that understands us. You know, there's nobody uh, that cares about us. I, I said earlier that nobody loves me. You know, but, but you are not alone. 
Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you where? Come on. Where is he going to be with us? Wherever we go, God is with us. Wherever we go, God is with us. You are never alone. You are never alone. And sometimes we get into a place where we, we just we feel like, Man, there's just there's nobody here to help. You know, there's nobody around to help me. Well, when you get into that place, as a believer, we should be so ready just to just to just to put our hand on somebody and say, you know, God's with you today. You know, God, Jesus loves you. Pastor Jennifer doesn't need this, but but you can tell, Jesus loves you. He is there for you. He his desire is, is, is for you to, to, to come up and to not be down, to not be discouraged, to not be depressed, to not be anxious. You know, the Bible tells us to be anxious for nothing. But in what? Thanksgiving and, and praise that, you know, we, that we make our requests known to God. But he's telling us this and that he wants to remind us. He's reminding Joshua who is taking over the very large town. You know, sometimes we think, oh my gosh, I'm so alone in this project or I'm so alone in this schoolwork or I'm so alone in this, this classroom or whatever. You know, and we think, but listen, Joshua was like, he was taking over an army of, of people. Not, a, not just an army, but a whole nation. And he would, how could you not feel like, man, there is nobody understands what I'm going through right now. But God was there. God was there. God was there. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18. Verses 18 to 20. This is the, the, the words of Jesus as he's talking to the disciples about what's going to happen. Uh, that the, the Spirit, you know, that he's telling us that, that we're supposed to go out into all the world and to preach the gospel and to lay hands on the sick and that we can cast out demons. And that, that he's telling, he's telling the, the, the disciples this. He's tell, and then he says, he says to them, he says, all authority has been given in heaven. Man, this is a statement. And if you realize who you are in Christ, if you realize who you are in Christ, that Jesus, that Jesus is telling you this today, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Listen, Jesus, he was, he was very aware, very aware about how long it was going to be before he, he comes back to get his church. He, he didn't think it was going to be the next day. You know, but the disciples that were there that saw him uh, be crucified, they were discouraged. They were like, man, I thought Jesus was bringing the army and that we were going to whip the Romans and get them out of Jerusalem and everything was going to be, you know, rah, rah, sis, boom, bah. But they were, they were so, they were discouraged because what they, how they thought God was going to work, how they thought God was going to act, how they thought God was going to deliver, their Savior died on the cross he comes back to them and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go to verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There's a job for us. There's work for us to do during this time. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with who? You. Me. He is with me. How long? 
always to the very end of the age. Jesus will never leave us. He is just like God. He will never forsake us. He's always going to be with us. He's always there pushing us on and pressing us forward and taking us where, where we need to go. So we are never, ever alone. Say, I am not alone. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us that we are hopeful, that we are not hopeless, that we have a hope in a future. Jeremiah 29, 11, that we have a hope in a future. Esther 4, 14 tells us that we have a purpose. We have a purpose. God placed you here for a reason. There is nobody here that's on the earth that, that is like out of place. That well, why in the world am I here in 2023? You know, I wish I'd have been born in 20, you know, in what, 1923, I don't know. Some people get like that, and they're like, I wish I'd live. No, God wants you here now. He's equipped you now for this time now. You have a purpose now. One of the best things that I love about God in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, he tells us that we are victorious, that our failures don't define us, but they actually help us to be more focused you know, we always hear the, the story about how Einstein, how many times he failed. Was it Einstein who came up with a light bulb? No. Huh? Edison. Yeah. Edison, Einstein. See, I tell you, I don't think much, right? But Edison, how many times he failed before he actually came up with the right, the right thing, the right way to harness power to, cre to create a light? And he was like, it didn't bother him. He's like, well, those are all the ways that we shouldn't do it. How many times in the body of Christ are like, well, I thought it was going to happen that way, so I guess, you know, God doesn't work anymore. Like, no, get in his vein, get in his path, get in his, in his life, get in his spirit, get in the river that he's got for you, and he'll take you, and he'll cause you to be victorious, that your failures don't define you. First, that's 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Uh, Isaiah 30, 21 tells us that we have direction that we have direction. These are things, listen, you want to get rid of foolish thoughts about God? These are scriptures that will help you with that. They will help you take, take all these ideas that are coming from the world and go, well, maybe I shouldn't be thinking about that. But Isaiah 30, 21 tells us we have direction. We are full of peace. That's John 14, 27. John 15, 11 tells us that we're joyful. 2 Timothy 1.7, I'm, I'm just hurrying through this. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that you are powerful, that you are love, and that you have a sound mind. You have a sound mind. Man. Psalms 139.14 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And John 3.16 is the last one I'll give you. I am worth it. I am worth it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But that's not just for you. It's for those that you come in contact with. Our job is to make sure that we're being, being what, but what Jesus, how he told his disciples to go into all the world and teach them and help them to obey the, the, the word of God, help them to obey the spirit of truth because we're worth it. They're worth it. Amen. Amen. So uh, Philippians 4, 1 through 9, Philippians 4, 1 through 9, just write this down. It tells us the things that we're supposed to think about. And just to highlight it, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever gives you peace, whatever gives you joy. Listen, whatever is honorable, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is of good repute. 
if there's any excellence, and if anything is worthy of praise, dwell on or think of these things. So I encourage you, I encourage you that when you get into a situation where you're like, I just, I don't, I don't know, I don't see it. Go back to this scripture, go back to Romans chapter one and remind yourself, stir yourself up. Sometimes we have to. You've got to go, well, man, God, you are so good. And it starts, it starts there. Praise is so important. It starts there. Glorifying God is so important. It starts there. And then you get into a vein of, of being thankful and remembering the things that God has done for you. And then he wants you to not have foolish thoughts of God, but have God thoughts of God. And who God is. And what that does is that will, that will come over, that will carry on over into you and help you to know who you are. Amen? Y'all stand with me. We're just going to take a moment to worship, just to, just to, just to take a time to, to listen, to be obedient to what God is telling us this morning. No matter where you are, no matter what shape you're in, no matter how you found yourself this morning, God has a, a plan for you. I mean, we just, we just looked at 17 different things that he says about us, how he thinks about us. And believe me, God's thoughts are way better. I mean, you can, I think everybody in here is okay repeating that. God's thoughts are way better. God's, God's ideas, he's way smarter. You know, he is, he is much more uh, gracious he is much more kind than, than any man or woman could ever be on the face of the earth. You know, if you're looking for, for acceptance, you're looking for approval from other people, you're going to be disappointed every single time. But if you go to God and you go to his word and you spend time with him in prayer and you spend time just, just fellowshipping with him and talking to him, you know, he'll help you maintain those thoughts. He'll help you get those, get those things that, that you need to be uh, resting on, those things that you need to be dwelling on. He'll help you to make them, make them the right, make them the right thing. And the better you are, then the better people are going to be around you because you're able to give them your best. And that's, that's what we want. We want to be ones that, that are constantly giving, giving our best to those that are around us because he wants us. He wants us to be there. Amen. Y'all just bow, bow your heads with me and close your eyes.